Um, it's been, uh, you know, so far. Well, let me ask you this. Who, who in this room are the kind of people that, like, you've been celebrating Christmas for the last month already? Anybody in here? Yeah, okay. What about Christmas music? Like, is, I, there are really two types of people in this world who just absolutely loves Christmas music. Like, Christmas music, honestly, like, who plays Christmas music outside of December? Outside of the, like, who plays Christmas music any time of year? Yeah, okay. Like, there, there's really two types of people, right? People who love Christmas music and people who need to be saved. Like, that's really just the kind of people there are. Everybody, now, honestly, listen, I do love Christmas music. I'm not like a, my wife is more like, let's play it all the time, anytime, it doesn't matter. But I like Christmas music. Christmas music's good. Uh, but man, I was thinking about Christmas music a lot this week just because, um, well, I was thinking about singing this week. I was thinking about music in general. Uh, the passage that we're reading today from Mary's life as she learns about this uh, gift that God has given her, this unexpected gift of his love um, by giving her a son to carry, right? Um, it actually leads her eventually to sing a song. Like she, she sings maybe the, I don't know, I guess it's the first Christmas song um, that she sings that we call Mary's Magnificat um, in Luke chapter one. So I was just kind of thinking about that this week and just thinking about, man, why, like, why do we sing? Where does music even come from, right? Obviously God created this in us and gives us this as a gift, music, right? Um, it's something that we do every Sunday here and you know, we worship Jesus, but we sing songs all the time. Right? I mean, I don't know how many songs we sing throughout the week. Probably Christmas time we sing a little bit more. But, um, I mean, all of us, all the time. If you're in your car, you're probably singing, right? You're probably in the shower. You're probably singing. Or just like some people just do that as a family. All the time. You're just singing songs or whatever. Um, who, who's like a random singer? Like you'll just sing random songs. Raise your hand if you're just a random singer. Okay, a lot of us, honestly, right? Because that's just a thing that we do. And I just think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting that as human beings... Music is such a part of who we are, right? It's just, a, it's a, it's, it comes out of us so naturally. And I want to ask this question this morning. Where does it come from? Right? Like, what, why do we sing? Why do we sing? I think that question actually is an important question because we do sing. Everybody sings in some way, like worship of music comes out of you. I just want to ask kind of where does it come from and why do we do that? What will make you sing? So let's pray together, and then we're going to open up Luke chapter 1. Um, we're going to be there kind of mostly this morning, so Luke chapter 1. Um, let's pray. God, thank you so much that uh, you give us your word. You give us your word to read and to, to just kind of be in together, sit in for a few moments here this morning. Hopefully we are all doing this all the time, being in your word, but it, it, there's something special about doing it together, reading it together, thinking through it together. Thank you for the story of Jesus and his birth through this young lady, Mary, and just this unexpected love that she receives from you, that she could be the one to carry the child who would save the world. Well, it's amazing. And so, God, I just pray we would even see ourselves in Mary's story a little bit today, um, your favor and grace lavished on us in Christ. So, God, lead us that way in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you guys kind of know the, the context and the history of the Christmas story, right? So the Jewish people, the people of God, you read the Old Testament, and I don't know, like if you've read throughout the Old Testament, you've kind of read your whole Bible, um, you get to this point of, of just almost exhaustion, right, when you read through the Old Testament. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but if you read the entire Old Testament, like there's a lot in there. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of history. It's a lot of good and a lot of bad, right? There's a lot of bad that just goes on, and the Israelites struggle with God. We talked about this a little bit last week. 
And so what has happened here when we get into the New Testament, which when you open up the New Testament, is just like, finally, thank you so much that we get to this place where we get to see, clearly see Jesus and kind of the fulfillment of his plans. Um, but what's happened is here, really there's been 400 years, 400 year period in the Israelites' history of pretty much silence from God. They call this the 400 silent years, the, the years where really no prophets were speaking to Israel. God wasn't sending his word in a new way uh, to them at all. The, the book of Hebrews actually kind of comments on this at the very beginning where he says, in old times, God spoke by the prophets, right? There are many times in many ways, but now he's spoken to us by his son. And so Jesus is sort of the, the ending of that silence. And so as we open up the stories of the gospels, and, and in particular this morning, Luke chapter one, we get to see that Mary, this, this young girl, Mary, gets to be the recipient of God's, literally his word and his love to her. And so we're walking through this Advent season. We're lighting these candles every week. Um, the candle this morning is the Bethlehem candle. It's the love candle. It's called both of those things. The Bethlehem candle is the love candle. Uh, Kevin read the, the prophecy from Micah 5 this morning about Bethlehem being the chosen place where the Son of God would be born. And the reason it's, it's the love candle, we think about God's love, we think about Bethlehem. Bethlehem's such a small, insignificant place otherwise, right? Like it literally, in the prophecy, Micah says, you're not even really worthy of being named among the clans of Judah. Right? Like it's such a small little place. And yet God said, This is where my son would come. And then we think about Mary. And we're going to read her story here. We think about Mary and just who she is and how unexpected it would be that God would choose to send his son into the world, the King of Kings, the one who would reign and rule, who does reign and rule over all people, all nations for all time. That he doesn't send him to Jerusalem. Right? That he doesn't give him to like a, a princess or a queen. He doesn't announce it to the king first. He doesn't announce it to the emperor of Rome first. He doesn't announce it to the high priest first. And it's a little girl named Mary who gets to receive this blessing. So let's read Luke 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Hold on to that highly favored. We're going to come to that. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus he will be great and will be called son, called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Then the Holy One will be born and he will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Nothing is impossible with God. And she says, this is her reply, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So uh, a, a typical young lady who would be engaged to be married, and because Luke doesn't really give, Luke is a very detailed historian, and he does not give any indication that this is anything otherwise this, than this case. A typical virgin at this time who would be engaged to be married would be about 12 to 14 years old. This is a young lady, 12, 13, 14. Some of you in this room are that age. 
And this is who we're talking about, right? So this is not un- uncommon for a girl that age to be engaged to be married to a man, right? This was set up and arranged, and she was engaged to this man, Joseph, but um, still having yet slept with him or any man, right? She is a virgin. She is not conceived in any way or had the opportunity to do so. So this angel tells her, you're going to now conceive a child, and you're going to bear not only a normal child, but the son of the Most High, he says, who will rule on David's throne. God will give him dominion and give the kingdom forever and ever, and she's just like, what? Right? Like, hold on. Hold on. Like, one, I'm not even married yet. It's a little bit scandalous here, Gabriel, whoever you say you are, right? I'm a 12-year-old, 13-year-old girl still waiting to be married. And then you tell me, not only is this child going to be given to me by God, and she asks the question, I'm like, I'm I'm a virgin. This is not possible, And so Gabriel goes on to explain to her exactly how it is possible. And where he said that verse, everything is possible with God. Nothing will be impossible for him. He even uh, tells her, hey, your your cousin, Elizabeth, she kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Elizabeth, if you read the story before this, Elizabeth is her cousin. She's married to the priest Zechariah, and um, she's actually become pregnant. She's now in her sixth month of pregnancy, even though she's probably postmenopausal at this point, right? This is impossible. She's never had a child. She is barren by this point, and God has given her a child now. And so the angel reminds Mary, Mary, not only are you going to have a child, your, your cousin who's old in age and now supposed to be barren, she's going to have a child because nothing is impossible for God. But I want to key in on that, that word that the angel uses, Gabriel uses when he first meets with, with Mary. He says, to, he says to her this, verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Everybody say highly favored highly favored. And greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I'm going to come back to this word in just a few minutes because we're going to find another place in scripture that it's used. But this is a Greek word. Karito'o is the word. And it's the only place in, in all of Greek antiquity and all of the history of the Greek language. This word is used in two places. In all the writings, right? Like Plato never used it. Aristotle never used it. These guys never used it. Um, the The Writer Luke uses it here, and the Apostle Paul uses it in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read that one in a minute. But this is a word when he says, greetings you who are highly favored, karito'o, greetings you, what he's saying is, greetings you who have been filled with the grace of God. That is what this word means, filled with. God's grace. It's not a word that just to mean that just means favored as if like I do you a favor, like I'm doing something to favor you. It is a word that literally means to receive it, like to be filled with it. Right? And that's a very literal thing for Mary because she is going to be filled physically with the Son of God. The fullness of God's favor and grace in Jesus Christ is going to fill her womb. And this angel greets her this way, greetings you who are karito, highly favored, filled with the grace of God. And it actually says she's perplexed about this greeting, right? She's kind of freaked. She's like, what? What does that mean? What do you mean when you say that? It's like Mary can't even fathom that God would highly favor her, much less the rest of the story that the angel is going to now share with her. You're highly favored. You are filled with with grace. And she asked that question, how can I, how can I even do this? I'm a virgin. And, and, and I do want to comment on this because the angel tells her this, how this is going to work. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will over." 
shadow you. There actually is some uh, sort of controversial dialogue around this because some, like, some point to this passage and go, like, this is the, the fact that Mary could conceive this child is because God and Mary had sex, right? And this is not what this is saying, okay? This is not what the angel is saying. That's not what the verbs mean. That's not what the word that Luke uses means. When he says the, the Most High will overshadow you, right? That's not an uncommon term um, throughout Scripture, um, that word overshadow. So, when the angel says the, the Most High will overshadow you, what that word literally means is it's, it's a special miraculous activity of God's divine power and care and protection, right? That overshadowing. When you read through the Psalms, you'll see this phrase a lot where it says like, we reside in the shadow of God's wings, right? Same idea. And in fact, in Luke chapter 9, a little bit later, Luke uses the same word when he describes what God does for the apostles as they go up on the mountain in the transfiguration, right? Jesus is transfigured before them. It says God overshadows them in a cloud, like he's just protecting them, right? He's just like watching over them. He's taking care of them, right? So he's just saying, look, God, God sees you, Mary, and he's protecting you, and he's going he's gonna to come, and he's going to kind of overshadow you, and when he does that, like you're going to feel his presence. You're going to know his care and his love, and he's going to fill you with his own son. He's going to give you physically a child inside of you, right? There's nothing scandalous really going on here apart from just the fact that God so sees Mary and so cares for Mary and so loves Mary that he would fill her with his son, the child Jesus, to be born. And so at the very end of this passage, Mary, I just love this, her her humility. And that's something I want to highlight today is just Mary's humility as we talk about God's love and receiving that with humbleness. Verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said, then the angel left her. So that's her response. What would your response be? <laughs> right? Like if something this crazy happened in your life. Now listen, none of us are ever going to carry the child of God. This has already happened. But man, at times in our lives where God does lead us in a particular direction, give us a, a, a calling, give us a, an opportunity, give us a, a, a command, what is our response to him in these moments when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it doesn't make sense? Is it, well, I don't know, well, I can't, well, I shouldn't, well, I may. You got excuses. We got all sorts of reasons why we shouldn't do anything, right? Mary just, she has already said, I'm a virgin. He kind of explained that, and then she just goes, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you've said. That should be our response, okay? Like, let us take a cue from this 13-year-old girl. Please just, God, do whatever you say you're going to do. Thank you, right? And so here's what happens. It says, verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So this is her cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, listen to this, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice, she exclaimed, "Here's, here's that filling of the Holy Spirit. Like here's what the Holy Spirit does inside of Elizabeth. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in your womb, in my womb, leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So, Mary goes and meets with Elizabeth because she heard that she's also with child. Elizabeth's kind of been hiding out. Like she didn't, I guess, want people to really know that she, she was pregnant at this time. So Mary is just hearing of this. She goes and sees her. She walks in the room and little baby John the Baptist, little, 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 little 
fetus Baptist, right? Like he's in there and he's just like, yay, right? It's Jesus. Guys, and this is sort of, I love this because throughout John the Baptist's life, what do we always see him doing? He's like, Jesus, like I love him. It's like they're cousins, right? They're second cousins. And John the Baptist is like, oh, this is the man right here. And like he's little baby inside his mama. And he's just, he's leaping for joy. And Elizabeth knows it says the Holy Spirit fills her up in that moment to be able to speak. Very first person that ever says Jesus is Lord is who? Elizabeth in this moment. Very first person. It's my Lord. She says, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? By the way, God is no respecter of social norms, guys. Um, the fact that Elizabeth is the first person to call Jesus Lord, uh, a woman at a well is the first person that Jesus tells he's the Messiah, right? Women are the first ones to see him alive after his resurrection, this is God's grace and God's favor and just God's way of saying to the world at large, it's a man-dominated society back then and women are going to be the ones leading the way to know me and see me and rejoice in me and spread the word of my resurrection. Like, women are always right at the center of everything that God's doing because God always is just even in the playing field, men and women alike. And it's, it's two ladies, an old one and a young one here, one carrying Jesus, the other John the Baptist. And Elizabeth just said, man, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to see me? And so Mary, just overjoyed in this moment because Elizabeth has said these things to her, she sings a song. She sings a song in verse 46. This is called Mary's Magnificat. It comes from the very first word, like in the Latin translation. The first word is the word that I have in here is glorifies. That's the first word actually in this song in the Latin translation. It says this, Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So Mary just kind of in this moment, right, just bursts into song that Elizabeth has seen her and the, the, the little John the Baptist's leap for joy. And Mary says, man, you're, you're the mother of my Lord and you are so favored and you're gonna be blessed among all women. And so Mary just begins to sing clearly astounded at what is going on in these moments, right? What is the tone of her song? As you kind of heard that, what's the tone that you get from her? Is it not humility? Is it not just amazement, right? Even when the angel announced to her, you're favored by God. You are the one highly favored, Karito. And she's just like, oh, I, I don't deserve this. Why are you talking to me like that? I'm just Mary. I'm nobody. You know what's special about Mary? Nothing. Honestly. No, just, she's just Mary. She's just a person. 
She's just a young girl who has no qualification. Guys, the fact that God sees her this way, the fact that God gives her this gift, it says more about God than Mary, right? That God would do this, that God would see anybody in their humble estate. And that's what she, that's what she sings, that's what she prays. And so I asked you a little bit ago, where do our songs come from? Why do we do that? Why do we sing songs? Because singing is the language of our hearts. Is it not? Like we sing songs because songs live in our heart. We sing about love more than anything. I mean, listen to the songs that, that are on the radio, listen to the songs that you put on Spotify, listen, like most of them are about some sort of love, even if it's perverted and messed up at times, like it's just, it's almost always about something that I love, something that I lift up, something that I exalt, whether it's a person or some experience or something that has given me such a heart of feeling this love and knowing that I am loved by this thing or this, I love this thing or this person or whoever that is, I want to sing about it, Right? And so Mary, just in this moment, she has experienced this. And her heart just gets to this place where it's like, there's nothing else I can, like, I can't just say what I'm feeling. I need to sing it. I need to sing of his love. I need to sing of the fact that he, is, she says, verse 48, he has been mindful, mindful of the humble estate of his servant. Mindful. I think that's the idea. That's the word that leads Mary to this song. You know what that word means? Mindful means that he has intentionally looked at me. That he's looked at me. Of all the people in the world, Mary is overcome with song, love in her heart towards this God who has just simply seen her. He sees. It's an amazing thing. Guys, throughout the Bible, people sing. Exodus 15, the Israelites get through the Red Sea, and Moses and Miriam, they sing. They sing. And at the, in the middle of that, it says, In your love you have led and redeemed us and brought us into your presence. Love. We sing from love, right? In Judges 5, Deborah sings and says, Let those who love God be like the rising sun. It's a song, right, out of love. In Psalm 13, David is writing this psalm, just kind of asking God these questions. God, I don't know if I feel you right now. I don't know if I'm experiencing you. Bad things are happening, all these things. But at the end of the psalm, he says this, I trust in your unfailing love. It's a song, and it is from love. Paul and Silas in prison. Y'all know the story in Acts 16? They're sitting in prison, and what are they doing? They're singing. They're in prison, and they're singing. Why? Because songs are the language of our hearts that you can't help but sing. Ask yourself this question, church. Do you sing of the love of God? Do you sing to God of his love? Look, honestly, I'm thinking about this message as I'm sitting here singing just a minute ago, and I'm hearing the voices, and I, it was, I was so thankful in that moment that we're a church that sings. Let us be a church that sings because that's how we show and express in some moments of life. Like, this is the only way I can tell you, God, that I love you and I know that you love me. His love causes us to sing. And I actually prayed this this week. I really did. I prayed it more than once. I prayed that our songs, the songs of the church of Jesus, would be louder than the songs of football stadiums. Oh, you will sing. 
Men sing their hearts out on Saturdays. Man, I hope we do it on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and every day that the songs of our lives would be to the one who has loved us and shown us favor. We sing because it is the language of our heart's affections. Paul says in Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 3.19 that we make music in our hearts. We make music in our hearts to the Lord. It's a command, actually. Make music in your heart to God. Ask yourself this question. Do you sing? And if you do, I know you do, just pay attention to what you sing. What are you singing about in your life? Like, honestly, what are you singing about? What are your, what are your songs about? If you really pay attention, you really think about it, that's what's in your heart. It's coming out in song. And for Mary in this moment, it was just, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. It made me think this, this week of this psalm, Psalm 8. In verse 3, he says, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man, that you care for him. That's what Mary's asking, right? Do you see that part where she's just like, this is the love that she feels from God, that God has looked upon her, that God has seen her in her humble estate. Who am I? I'm nobody, I'm nothing. And we don't deserve his love. We never have and we never will. But when you experience the love of God, listen, you will sing of it. It will come out of you in song. Now listen, today's not about singing. It's not about songs. It's about the love of God. And here's what I want us to hear this morning. That God's love, the, God, the, the, the same God who showed that love to Mary is the same God that has loved us. The same God that first God so loved the world that he gave his son. And I told you a little while ago, there are two places in all of ancient Greek literature, that that word, karitoo, that you are highly favored, that you have received and been filled with the grace of God, is used. And the, both of those places are in Scripture. One is when the angel tells Mary, you are highly favored. You are karitoo. You are filled with the grace of God. And the other is in Ephesians chapter 1. So I want to read Ephesians 1 again. I read this in communion thought. He says this. Praise be to the God and Father. I'm going to read all of it. I know it's not all on the screen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's singing, right? He's singing. He's singing. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. Here's the word, which he has freely given us, karitoo, freely given us in the one he loves. Here's what he's saying. He's, he's, he's making exactly the same point that the angel made to Mary. Mary, you are highly favored because God has filled you with his grace. Paul is saying, Christians, he's talking to all of us. You're highly favored because God has filled you with his grace. In who? Jesus Christ. And if Mary, listen, if Mary would sing like that and rejoice like that at the love of God because she got to carry his child, how much more should we sing who are his child, his children? We are that, right? Mary just got to carry the child of God. Later, she would become a child of God. We are children of God. 
And so we should rejoice with song that Paul has told us, you, just like Mary, you are highly favored. That word literally means that the grace of God, this is, this is kind of how the, the Greeks would translate this word, that the grace of God has run you down, captured you, and filled you. That his grace has pursued you, come after you, grabbed hold of you, and filled you up. That's what the word means. You are highly favored by God. He sees you. He sees you. And he's come to you in the person of his son, Jesus. And man, Mary got to, got to carry that son. And you and I get to carry the same Jesus, not physically in our womb. No, we don't, we don't carry him that way, but we carry his name and we carry his glory we carry his presence by the person of the Holy Spirit living in us. That's why Paul could say this, that just like Mary, we are full of grace, highly favored by God, that he sees us. God saw Mary. I don't, I don't know if you need to hear this this morning, but God sees you. He sees you. He sees you. Recent studies have shown that about 60% of American adults feel lonely in their lives. About 60% of American adults say that nobody sees them. Nobody knows them. Nobody cares about them. Nobody's there for them. And that's a hard reality. And for many of us in this room, that's probably true for you. But man, just the loneliness and maybe one of the hardest things in life is to just feel like you're not seen. Mary of all people. <laughs> Mary can testify. Not with God. You feel like you, nobody sees you. You feel like nobody cares. You feel like you're all by yourself. You feel like you're all alone. Listen, God sees. He sees and he knows and he cares. He so loved the world that he sent his son because he cares. Here's what I want to do just as we wrap up. Let's, let's together, let's just bow our heads. Let's bow our heads together. If you would, just right where you're at. Just bow your head with me and let's close our eyes together. I want you to think about two things. First, I just want you to think about yourself, your life. Is there an area in life right now where you just feel unseen? Maybe it's the job you're doing. Maybe it's in your family even, being overshadowed, being overlooked, being unseen, unheard. Maybe it's here at this church. You just feel anonymous. You feel like nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody cares. Maybe right where you're at right now, you just need to take that to God and thank him that he sees you, that he sees you. Right in that chair this morning. That he knows your anxious thoughts. That he knit you together. 
that he ordained your days before eternity. He sees you. And if you feel unvalued, if you feel uncared for, if you feel unloved, unheard, unwanted, unseen, maybe in your heart right now, would you just proclaim, I know that's not true because my Father sees me. God sees me. And then know this, that the most amazing way that he has ever shown that he sees you is by sending his son to be born and to die for your sins. Because he sees that too. And then the second thing I want you to think about is somebody else in your life right now. Just ask God. I want you to ask God this. God, is there somebody in my life who needs to be seen? Somebody I know, somebody in my family, somebody at work, somebody at school who just needs to be seen. Ask God just to give you a name. And ask him to give you an opportunity to see that person to show them that they're seen and that maybe that person would even experience God's love through you this week. So we're gonna sing now. And again, I pray that our songs are louder than our songs were yesterday, SEC champs. I do, I pray that this is our heart's that we would just lift up the name of Jesus louder than the name of any name because he loves us. Now, while we do this, while we sing, just have it on your mind that God sees you. And I wanna open up the altar today, but a little bit different than normal, actually. I mean, I just kind of, right before service, this thought came to me that maybe today the altar needs to be open for this and this alone, that you wanna pray for that person that needs to be seen in your life. Somebody in your life that you know needs to know that God sees them and that you see them. And maybe if you see them, that God would see them, right? There's gotta be somebody in our lives like that. So I just wanna open the altar up today for that. Just come up and pray. You can pray for whatever. You can come up and pray however you wanna pray. But if you wanna pray for a person that you would just intercede for them today at the altar and just go, God, would you let them know you see them? Let them know in Christ Jesus, they're blessed and filled with his grace. So let's just sing and let's pray and let's worship our God who sees us and who loves us. Amen.